Welcome to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Dr. Carol Perlman, a psychologist, health coach, and married mom of two boys. I went from a frazzled mompreneur who hits snooze until the last possible moment to a vibrant business owner who jumps out of bed at 5 a.m. excited about my day. I once felt completely overwhelmed by my endless task list, but have learned how to work smarter, not harder, by studying health habits, mindset, and time management. I love to teach others how to implement top recommendations for health, happiness, and success. Yes, busy moms can learn how to stop picking at your kids' leftover food, create a daily exercise routine, and stay on top of the to-do list so you go to bed feeling fantastic about your day. Tune in each week as I share my best strategies for creating and sustaining daily habits for a healthy lifestyle and chat with other experts in the health and wellness industry. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Perlman. This is the Healthy Habits for Life show. Welcome everyone to the Healthy Habits for Life podcast. I'm Carol Perlman, and I'm so glad that you have joined us today. Today, we are talking about a super important topic, and it's the topic of anxiety. And I know that sadly, this is something that is affecting so many of us. Um, You know, these are crazy, crazy times that we're living in, and hopefully we are coming out of the worst of it. But there is just still a lot of anxiety around. And so I wanted to bring in one of my colleagues, Dr. Lillian Nejad, because she is the expert. And so she is here to give us some insights on what we can do to help people with anxiety. So welcome, Lillian. Thank you so much, Carol. Lovely to be here. It's so great to have you. So Lillian is coming to us from Australia, the lucky duck yeah, (laughs) on the heels of the Australian Open and posting all these fabulous pictures like front row of the Australian (laughs) Open. It was pretty wild. I'm pretty obsessed. I could tell. But for, for those of us who are tennis fans, it was really fun to live vicariously through you and get to see all those great shots, especially because they were happening before we got, you know, it was news before it was news for us. So that was super fun, but we should tell the story of how we know each other. We actually go way, way back to the days of Emory university and Uh Delta Phi Epsilon. And we were just kind of laughing. It's a long time ago, like really a lifetime ago at this point. Yeah. But wow. (laughs) Yeah. Um, such great experience and such fun memories. And, you know, we lost touch for many, many years. And then thanks to social media, you know, I found out that you had also gone on to become a psychologist and you're doing amazing, amazing work. So I'd love for you to tell us the story. You know, what happened after I last saw you? And <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, not all oh, that. Geez. Tell us, tell us about the work that you've been doing. And especially Lillian has a company skills for life. Um, yeah, skills for life. So tell us about the work you've been doing and then what led you to start um, this company and the work that you're doing now. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'll start with how I ended up in Australia. I went on a uh, trip overseas, as you do after you graduate from, you know, from college. And I met somebody and he happened to be Australian. And yeah, long story short, I ended up living here a year after that and uh, did my postgraduate education here. Um, So yeah, I've been a clinical psychologist for over 20 years. And I've worked in a variety of settings, including public mental health, um, university settings, and now I'm in private practice. Um, over that time, I guess most of the work that I've done has been with people who have um, complex issues, um, who have experienced multiple, you know, t- 
trauma in their in their lives, um, who, um, uh, can, can be extremely anxious, um, are sometimes chronically suicidal. Uh, so I've, I've gained so much from meeting all of these people and seeing their courage and strength, um, kind of being willing to go through therapy and treatment and, and see them, you know, learn and change and grow and become the people that they want to be and live the life that they want to live. Um, so yeah. And then more recently I started a a business called skills for life. Um, I actually started it during the pandemic. Um, and I think partly in response to it, I could see that obviously it was going to cause a lot more anxiety for people, but not only that, um, I'm I'm sure this is probably the case in the U S too, but psychologists are pretty full. So mm-hmm. you can't see everybody who might want to see you or could use the help. And, you know, in addition to that, we all know that more, most people who need help don't see a psychologist yeah. anyway. So it's definitely a huge problem here yeah. in the U S too, that, um, it's just really, really hard to find someone who has available availability. A lot of psychologists yeah. retired during the pandemic. And, um, so wait lists are long and it's really hard. Um, so yes, that is the case. Yeah, it is the case. And, and look, generally before the pandemic, you know, most people, I think the the statistic is like 8% of people who need help don't own, you know, only 8% actually see a psychologist, maybe 20% see their doctor or their, you know, their GP, but most people just try to do it on their own. So I feel, I felt like I was sitting on all of this content that I had created over the last 20 years. And I thought, well, what could I do with that to make this sort of information more accessible and also be really practical and um, an efficient way for people to get the skills and the resources that they might need during this challenging time, but not only for this challenge, for future challenges as well. Yeah. It's amazing because there's, like you said, there are so many barriers to treatment. So the more we can make it accessible and very um, manageable, then more people get to benefit from it. You know, the good news is as hard as it is, and it is really, really hard if you suffer from anxiety, it really has an impact on your life, but there's really good treatment. And so excellent treatment. Yeah. And we know how to um, make things better and help people live a better life. And so the more we can get that information into the hands of people who need it, it's just amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the most important messages that we can give to people as psychologists is that change is absolutely possible. And I think that sometimes when you're feeling really down or you're just isolated and alone, and you feel like you're the only one with these issues, you feel like, well, you people can't change and I can't change, but actually we see it all the time. And that's what we do. We're in the, the change yeah. business. Um, I, know, I know you and yeah. I read a lot of the same books. I, I talk a lot about habits here on the podcast and I uh-huh. read a lot about habits and how you, um, create new habits. And so something that I say all the time is that you can always become a person who does things differently just because for many, many years you experienced things a certain way, or you had anxiety, or you were someone who could do this or couldn't do that doesn't mean that you are destined to be that way forever. You most certainly can grow into a different kind of person. I think that's what you're talking about. Completely agree. And I guess the other thing is that, you know, everything is always changing. You know, it, it is one of the inevitabilities of life that things always change. So why not take 
charge of how that change happens for you. You know, you can take some control over that doesn't need to just happen to you. You can actually Mm -hmm. make it happen. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, uh, I thought I started developing um, programs that people could access online. Um, so how does that work? Can you explain that to mm. us? So let's say, you know, someone <laughs> That's a good question. were to find this online, um, you yeah. know, what, what would they expect from these programs? Yeah, well, look, they're, I'm continuing to develop. So I guess the first couple programs I took the, I was asked by um, a widely used mindfulness app to create a program for them. So I kind of used their template to start with, which was very much kind of creating 10, 10 sessions or lessons about coping with anxiety and challenging times um, that were about 10 to 15 minutes each. So very easy to kind of absorb and, and, and um, you know, very user-friendly and practical information. And it was all audio. So for that app, I did it all in audio. It was 10 sessions. And, um, and then I was like, oh, a lot of people are liking this on this app. I had, I had two courses on the app. One was about overcoming insomnia and the other one was about anxiety. And I've had about 14,000 people do the courses through the app. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, because it's a, it's a well-resourced app, you know, you get reviews and I could see where the questions were coming and where there, there could be some improvements and what I could add to it. So what I did was I created my own platform and I, and I added to what I had um, made for them. And mm-hmm. I included downloadable worksheets and some extra mindfulness and relaxation techniques. And I offer it through my own platform. So, and so the first two were just audio. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've created two more. And I've made it a little bit, um, I think better, but I guess I'll, I'll find out what the feedback is. So it's audio and video um, and interactive. So there are little quizzes embedded in there oh, as wow. well, just for people to test their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two new courses are on mindfulness. It's kind of an introduction, but how to apply mindfulness really practically mm-hmm. and easily with, and still get the benefits. And then the other one's about quick tips to cope with anxiety. So just giving you uh, the array of kind of efficient and effective strategies that you can use in the moment to reduce anxiety so that you can kind of get on with what you want to do. So if someone were to choose one of those programs, they buy it, (sighs) do they get all, all the lessons at once? Is it an app or, or is. Yeah. um... So at the moment it's, uh, it's web-based. Okay. Um, But of course you can access it through your phone. Um, And uh, they do get all the lessons at once. I don't drip feed them. Yep. Uh, But I, but because that gives the people the ability to pace it, yeah, how it works for them. Yeah, so I've I've heard that some people just like to listen to the whole thing, you know, through, and then they'll go back to the sessions that they want to really focus on more. Um, what I've actually found is I'm using it for to help me in my practice. So I actually think it's a really helpful add-on for people who are psychologists or therapists mm-hmm. or. Um, you know, and they have clients who are coming with anxiety issues that I can say, oh, I've got this basically in between, you know, we always want to give people homework in between sessions. And it's really given me a really easy, clear pathway to, to do that. And, and they like it too, because I think the old school way of pen and paper is, you know, most people aren't really loving. And then you get people who haven't done the work that you've given them that you think would be helpful. So it's kind of another way to make that 
easier for us as well. So that's what I, what I found. Yeah. Oh, that's great. But, so it, not yeah. only is it a tool for, for clients who get it themselves, but for therapists, it can be a really great add-on tool to kind of boost what they're doing in session. Yeah. I really think it's been working for my clients really well. Amazing. Um, yeah. And also some businesses have um, approached me as well to put these sorts of courses on their own learning management system. So their employees have access to it. And um, so yeah, so there's so many different applications and I'm really pleased to see that um, people are finding the information helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most important thing to me. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's so many ways you could go in so many directions, um, you know, to really get these tools out there, which is really genius. I guess we should back up. I should have said this earlier that you are also, I think people who listen to the podcast, I hope know this about me, but you are also a cognitive behavioral therapist, right? Yes. I've been trained, um, in cognitive behavioral therapy. I also have been trained in dialectical behavior therapy. Uh, I worked with people with like I said before, chronic suicidal, um, behavior and, mm-hmm. and, um, borderline personality disorder. So that's something that, and that's really my real introduction to mindfulness and my real practice came yeah. through DBT. Yeah. So just in case people aren't familiar with that, I do want to give a, just a, a explanation of CBT because I think it's so powerful and not everybody knows to seek it out, you know? So I want to just insert a little blurb in here to say that there are a lot of different approaches to therapy and treatment. And for many, many years, the predominant idea was let's go back and analyze your childhood. And that will give us insight into the difficulties that you're having today. And that worked for a long time and it continues to be helpful for people. But in the fifties or sixties, there was a man by the name of Aaron Beck who started to notice that it was actually people's thoughts that he thought as he was working with a lot of people with depression, it started, um, he started to notice that they were sharing the same thoughts and he thought maybe it's the thoughts that are playing a role in their depression. And so he did a a lot of research and come to find out this theory really did play out. And so he coined it cognitive therapy, which then over the years morphed into cognitive and behavioral therapy and has now been studied and researched and applied in so many different areas. And so It's this idea that in a given situation, our thoughts have a major role in how we feel and our thoughts and feelings together have a major impact on our behaviors and they all work together to lead to either a positive or negative outcome. And so our job as clinicians is to help people understand this pattern as it's playing out and then teach them where there are opportunities to make changes. Because as you said, there are many ways in which we have agency to create change. And so we teach the skills. It's a very active approach to treatment and we teach the skills for creating change. So that's sort of the backdrop of what you do um, and sort of the framework. Excellent summary. (laughs) I give it about 50 times a day. So I've had a lot of practice. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think that's important for people to know that that's the backdrop where you're coming from and and that's why you're teaching the skills that you are. So, um, you know, the overall theme of the podcast is healthy habits for life. And I always want people to walk away with concrete tips that they can start implementing right away. So along that theme, can we get into your best tips for coping with anxiety? Of course, there's so much more in the programs that people are definitely welcome to check out, but uh, can we get into your top five tips today? Yes. Well, I think since you brought up thoughts, I'll I'll, I'll start there. I think that one of the most important things is to dispel the myth that anxiety is bad and that it's something that you want to or can get rid of. 
you can't get rid of anxiety uh, and you don't want to. And anxiety actually serves uh, a function and a purpose. Uh, yes, it can be dysfunctional and we need to you know, work out ways to deal with that. But we also need to understand that it's there to help us survive. It's there to protect us. Um, and so it's not really useful to view anxiety or any other unpleasant emotion as bad. I think it's much better to focus on whether it's functional or dysfunctional and then work with that. So I think yeah. that that's maybe really important to start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so in terms of tips, I think the, the first tip would be to accept anxiety that, um, a lot of our reactions and responses to challenges, um, are reasonable. And like, if we use the pandemic as an example, if you weren't feeling anxious, um, that would be strange actually, you know, that we feel anxious and it shows up so that we take the steps that will help us through these challenging times that help us keep safe. You know, that's why we're getting vaccinations and putting masks on and doing social distancing. It's, you know, anxiety is what's driving that. And that's not a bad thing. Um, so the tip would be to learn how to talk to yourself in a way that's really validating. And that isn't judging yourself for feeling a perfectly reasonable emotion. That's a really big shift in how, in how many people think about the, their experience with anxiety. Yeah. And that's something I really emphasize in my courses because I don't think it's talked about enough. I think we jump straight, straight into change strategies, you mm-hmm. know, like what can we do to reduce it? What can we do to, you know, get rid of it, which like I said before, isn't particularly useful or possible. Yeah. But if yeah. we actually stopped and tried acceptance first, then the change strategies will be a lot easier to implement as well. Yeah. And I think what's also helpful for people to understand is that anxiety, and you might have this in your mind to go over in a minute. So I'm sorry if I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but anxiety has a physiological aspect to it. And then it also has the cognitive aspect, your your thoughts and both, you know, both can be very powerful. So it's also helpful to just learn more about what anxiety is and what's going on in your body. You know, when you, when, you know, all of a sudden you have your stomach's in distress or you're shaky and you feel like your blood is pumping, like, what is that all about? And what I find is that just the educational piece is so powerful. Just explaining to people what anxiety really is in your body can Mm -hmm. then really go a long way in taking a lot of the fear of the anxiety away. And then you can figure out, okay, what am I going to do? Because this feeling's uncomfortable. So now what might I want to do about it? But um, it just really helps to understand more about what's going on in your body. Absolutely. And that's a great segue because the next thing I was going to say was about how how can we actually manage and reduce it better through our bodies? Um, And because it's one of the most effective ways is to try to induce the relaxation response so that we can calm all of those physiological responses down. And that, of course, interacts with how we think about it, you know, Mm -hmm. If the um, physical issues that are causing us uh, to feel fear and to feel out of control dissipate, then our thoughts are, are going to be more hopeful and we're going to feel yeah. more in control and we're going to be able to calm ourselves and make better decisions and problem solve better as well. So as you know, there's lots of relaxation techniques that people can employ and lots of ways that you can induce the relaxation response like relaxation, like progressive muscle relaxation, for instance, or breathing techniques, Uh, but also things like um, brief, intense 
uh, movement mm -hmm. or novel movement can actually reduce um, our anxiety. It gets all that energy out of our bodies. Um, and also just things like um, humor, you mm -hmm. know, having a laugh, um, even doing a half smile, even if you're not feeling it, you know, just trying to do a half smile can, can release some chemicals and send that message to your brain that you're feeling okay and it boosts mm -hmm. your mood just that little bit so that you can um, employ, you know, the things that might help you. I guess um, the other thing that I think is so important for people to understand is that anxiety impacts people differently. Mm -hmm. So the way that it impacts you is going to be different to the next person. And that also lends itself to the strategies that are going to work for you are not the same strategies that are going to work for somebody else necessarily. So it's really important that um, people don't kind of buy into that one formula, you know, one formula or one set of skills is going to, you know, help everybody. Yeah. It actually is about finding your own way. And that means you just have to practice, you know, an array of strategies and see what works for you. Yeah. And what so I think I also, that's my next tip. Yeah. What I also hear is that even for one person, sometimes one thing works, another time, another thing works. So it could be kind of situational. Yes. So the Absolutely. more tools that you can jam in your toolbox and the more you have to draw from when you need them. And if you find one's not working, then you can turn to another one. So it's just great to always keep learning and just keep adding and adding to your list of resources and tools. Absolutely. And I often recommend for people to have that a tangible place um, where they have those strategies there. So they don't have to remember because when you're highly distressed, you can't think. <laughs> so it's very hard to access those strategies that are going to work if you're not thinking very clearly, but if you know where to go, like if you have maybe a, you know, in your notes section on your phone, or you have a tangible like box where you've put things in there that, you know, calm you down, that's somewhere in the house that's accessible. Um, it's a really good idea just to have it there. So all you need to remember is go to my phone, go to my box. Um, and that's it. And then, and then it's easier from. That's that such a great idea. Yeah. 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 Because it is hard when you're at the height of it, it's hard to think clearly. Um, and so having those reminders, you know, having them written out, having them somewhere in your phone. And I love the idea of a box of those actual tools, um, yeah. you know, whether, um, whether it's a, a stress ball or the name of an app or a soft blanket or. Yeah. Or a um, picture or. Yeah. Yeah. There's all sorts of things you can put in there and you can get really creative and you can yeah. have like, you know, if you like to sketch, you might have like a sketch pad and, mm. you know, pencils in there it could be anything. Are you finding, I mean, I don't know if this is pandemic related or if it's just where my thoughts have been going over the past year or so, but I'm finding that um, I know for myself and for a lot of other people that creativity is playing more and more of a powerful role in managing emotions and because it's a way to offset, there's been so much negativity and creativity is something that you can foster, that you can set the stage for. And it's like, you can't have both at the same time. You can't experience beautiful paint at the same time that you're feeling anxious. So it kind of helps to quiet. So when you turn up the volume on creativity and color and things that are beautiful and soft and appealing, then it helps to turn down the dial on other more challenging feelings. Absolutely. And I think also it's usually a really pleasant experience, you know, Yeah. you know, being creative, uh, it can be challenging, I suppose. Um, but also it can help us 
um, remember what it was like to be a child and just mm-hmm. create for, for the purpose of creating and for nothing else. Like there doesn't yeah. need to be a reason or an outcome that you have to reach. It's just you expressing yourself in a different way. Yeah. Um, and there's so many different ways to be creative. Yeah. And, you know, there's also in this world of social media that we live in, I'm a huge Instagram fan and there Uh is so much out there on Instagram. That's just really beautiful. And, um, you know, everybody has their own thing, but watching people decorate cakes or do paintings Uh and mix colors and, or put on makeup. I mean, all those things, they appeal to all (laughs) those other senses. And, um, I think they're also in part, they can be part of the toolbox, but yeah, absolutely. I think that people often are, I uh, can be quite negative about social media. Um, and I guess uh, there's a function for social media, just like there's a function for all of our emotions. Like, and it can be really beneficial for lots of reasons, but it can also be dysfunctional for yes, lots of for reasons. Sure, for sure. And yes. We really need to be aware of how it's working for us and then make the changes that we need to make. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, and then what would you say about seeking support and yes, turning that was to my others? last tip, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I think if you're, you're finding that you, your emotions are too intense, um, they occur too frequently, they're lasting too long and they're having like significant and negative impact on different, you know, the various areas that are important to you in your life whether that be your relationships or your work or school or just how you're feeling yourself, then it is really important to seek support and support comes in lots of ways. I mean, you can start with talking to a close friend or a family member. Um, There are often, if you're, you know, if you're working, there are often support programs within work where you can access that sort of support or you can um, access self-help programs. Like we were talking about before, um, or you can see a professional. And uh, I, th- I think what you said before is so important, um, particularly, you know, for all this, you know, psychiatric issues or psychological problems or um, situational issues that come up from time to time, uh, there is help out there mm-hmm. and it's, it works. If it didn't work, there wouldn't be a whole, a whole bunch of people doing the work, yeah. right? Um Anxiety, you know, particularly has so many really effective treatments and strategies. Um, So the earlier you go, the earlier you're going to feel better. So I would really encourage people. I think that it does take a lot of courage. And I always say that my clients are the strongest, most courageous people that I know, um, because it takes a lot of bravery to come and step into a a person, you know, in an office or wherever on telehealth, uh, with a person that you don't know and to tell them the things that scare you the most or that upset you the most, that's very, very hard to do. And so I really, really admire the people that I come in contact with who are willing to take that step. And, and the reward is that they feel better sooner. Yeah, for sure. And I really want to underscore that. I know I was painting a little bit of a picture earlier about how it's been challenging to get help. And that was really only to speak to the idea that there are lots of ways, you know, there are lots of resources out there. And, and so if you persist, you know, then you really do 
put yourself in the position to reap the benefit and look to people to help you navigate, you know, because it's hard when you're, when you're not feeling your best, it's hard enough. And then, you know, it can also be hard to navigate the system. And so turn to people. I know people talk to me all the time. Can you help me find someone? And even though I'm not going to be the one to treat them, I'm happy to help them kind of understand the language that they want to use and kind Mm -hmm. of how the insurance system works. So don't hesitate to look to your friends who might be in similar uh, or people, you know, you know, who might be in the field and can help you get names and talking to your pediatrician, not pediatrician, primary care um, provider is also helpful. I know around here, they tend to have lists of people that they refer to. So they're also a really good first line of defense um, to just kind of say it and get it out there that you're struggling, that you're looking for help and they can partner with you in that. Yeah, absolutely. And in Australia, um, that's the first person that we recommend to go to is the primary practitioner or the GP. Yeah. Um, and, and they actually here have a program where they create a mental health plan and that gives you government rebates for your psychology sessions as well. Holy moly. That's incredible. For up to 20 sessions a year at the moment, it used to be 10, but during the pandemic, they've upped it to 20. So we're really lucky here that we you know, that people have that resource that they can use to make it more affordable. That's incredible. And does that apply for practitioners like you in private practice? Absolutely. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Because public is free Mm -hmm. already. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So private practice is, uh, you know, pretty significant. It's, It's about half the cost is covered, um, or more than half often is covered through the rebate. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Well, I'm super excited to check out your program and this has been a really great overview for people listening. And I thank you so much for taking the time to explain it all to us. So can you just share where people can find you online if they want to get some more information about your program? Of course. So the best place would be my website. That would be doctor as in dr liliannejad.com. So L-I-L-L-I-A-N-N-E-J-A-D.com, drlillianneja.com. And you'll find everything on the website. Okay. And we'll have that in the show notes. So if you're listening, just take a peek at the show notes wherever you're listening to your podcast and we'll have the website there. And you are also on Instagram and LinkedIn, right? Absolutely. Yes. You can find me on LinkedIn. Again, Dr. Lillian Nejad. And on Instagram, it's at skillsforlife.courses. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you again. It's been so fun to see you after all these years and to share um, some really, really helpful information for the listeners. So thank you. And thank you to everyone. Pleasure. Um, We'll have to do a follow-up, you know, we'll see how things are going and, you know, down the road, uh, we'll definitely do a follow-up and a part two. And thank you everyone who tuned in today to listen and I'll be back next week and hope to see you then. Bye. Hello friends, it's Carol Perlman coming on to say hello and thank you so much for listening. I hope you've been enjoying these episodes as much as I've enjoyed creating them for you. I wanted to make sure you knew about a special program that is currently being offered on my website. If you go to www.healthy4lifebycarolperlman.com, you'll see more information about my current time management classes. If you follow me on social media, if you listen to my podcast, you know that I believe time management is behind almost every single one of your goals. And the more you can perfect your skills in time management, the more successful you're going to be in reaching your goals. 
I have created what I believe is a really outstanding class. I've been studying time management for years. I've been perfecting my own system and I've been teaching others for almost 15 years now. I created an online course, a 21 day habit formation course that is now available to you. They, quote unquote, they say it takes 21 days to create a new habit. And I find that that is often time the case. So go look on the website, healthy for life by carolperlman.com and you will see current offerings. I have several different time management classes for specific audiences, but the general one is just the it's about time, time management class. You'll see all the details there. You'll see the upcoming start date and there's always the opportunity to buy the workbook and complete the course as a self-paced course and take it at your own speed. It's one exercise a day. All you need to commit is 10, maybe 15 minutes a day. Step-by-step, you will create new habits that last a lifetime for better time management. Check it out, and I hope to see you in one of the classes. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Healthy Habits for Life. If you loved today's episode, please follow me on iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. These are so important and will enable others like you to find this podcast. Also, please share this podcast with your friends you know would also love it so we can get the word out. Thanks again for joining me. Until next week.